This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's drive time now. Welcome to Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network. Tribe Talk is brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Welcome to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse along with you this weekend from Progressive Field downtown Cleveland. Great to have you with us for our first show of the calendar year. As uh, we look forward now in earnest to spring training 2020 and the start of the regular season. The Indians reporting the spring training mid-February. Our first game on the spring training slate will be coming your way on February the 22nd. So hopefully you can join us for that as the Indians will take on the Cincinnati Reds on a Saturday afternoon. And don't forget Tribe Fest coming your way on February the 1st in downtown Cleveland at the Downtown Cleveland Convention Center. Still tickets on sale for that at indians.com slash tribefest. So a lot of good things happening as we get closer and closer to the start of baseball in earnest and the end of the hot stove season, but still plenty of that to go. And coming up on this week's show, we will take one final look back at one of the great games of 2019, the Indians' final win of last season, win number 93 that featured an incredible comeback game for Jose Ramirez returning from injury that night, and he had one of the best games of his major league career. We'll also hear from Tribe Manager Terry Francona and Indian Senior Vice President Bob DiBiasio. That's all coming your way shortly as we get rolling with Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Before the Christmas holidays, Terry Francona met with members of the Cleveland media to talk about some of the recent transactions for the Tribe and how things are looking heading in to 2020. And we'll pick up that interview with Tito, conducted by Paul Hoynes from the Cleveland Plain Dealer and Cleveland.com, Zach Meisel from The Athletic, and Mandy Bell from MLB.com all asking Tito some of the questions pertaining to some of the recent events so far in the offseason, most notably his initial reactions to the Corey Kluber trade with the Texas Rangers just prior to the holiday break. Well, you know what? It really wasn't happening when we were at the winter meetings. I mean, you know, this happened after. So I was back here, um, and I was actually at, at a basketball game when I, you know, I checked my phone a couple of times and I saw some things were going on. 
Um, you know, it's 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 challenging. I mean, you get close to guys. You know, I've been with Kluber for seven years. Um, it, it would be the same. You know, it's the same for other guys too. That you know, when you spend time with guys, regardless of whether they want a Cy Young or or they're you your utility infielder. I mean, it. You know, you get you get attached to guys. That's part of it. When the time comes that you don't get attached, I probably ought to do something else. Tito, what does it mean when you can trade a guy like Kluber, but, you know, you kind of proved last year that you still have one of the uh, best rotations in the American League. How comforting is that for a manager? Well, I, I think our organization has done an unbelievable job of developing pitchers. And there's a lot of people that are that go into that equation. You know, it's the... It's the player development people. It's the scouting. It's the guys in the office, you know, all putting their heads together. And because of that, you know, we keep churning out pitchers. And, and the pitchers are a lot to, you know, we, we, we've gotten guys that are ultra-competitive and, and don't back down from challenges. And it's allowed us to, to continue to be competitive you know, with guys that, you know, again, with with another wave of guys coming. With Kluber for one second, one, one other thing. I mean, you saw him come up. I remember he talking about he first came up, what was it, he had knee surgery, um, and he had yeah. kind of was a step back. And then just, like, to reflect back on, on his career in Cleveland and, and the strides he made going from a pretty unheralded prospect to, obviously, a two-time Cy Young winner, just is that one of those examples you sit back and, and you're just, you're proud and you smile because of what he accomplished. Oh yeah, I mean, remember, I remember the story you're alluding to. You know, he he had his knee scoped in the off season, and he came to camp, and you know, really, just I guess vanilla was kind of the word I would use. And then when you know when he came back, I, I was we were talking about it, and, and he goes, "Well, what do you want me to say?" You know, and I, I remember thinking, "Oh." I, I thought that was pretty cool that he he wasn't going to even bring it up during spring training, even though it might have hurt him, you know, moving forward. But then I also remember after watching him telling you guys that I thought he was situated to be extremely productive. I just I saw his stuff, I saw the competitiveness, I saw his, you know, his clock, everything, his demeanor, and I just thought there's no reason this guy can't be ultra successful, and he was. Tito, what do you think about uh, DeShields and Klasse and what they can bring to your roster next year, and Klasse especially, just the potential that he has? Yeah, that's it, it, that gets exciting. I mean, that's one of the biggest arms you know, you're going to see um, in, a, in, a, in a kind of an era in baseball where, you know, bullpens have the hard-throwing guys. We had kind of gone the other way. Now, we still had a good bullpen, but it's nice to – bring in a guy that when all else fails you know they have velocity and and that in itself can be can be really good and from all i understand he, his ability to make adjustments has been really good um you know he's a young kid but we're really excited about what his future could be did you talk to Corey uh Chito? yes i did yeah i did i did i did i called him what do you say to him in a situation like that you know that that's hard. In fact, I even told him that. I said I'm not sure what to say. You know, the the business part of the game happens. 
and it's it's hard to know what is right to say. But I don't think it's ever wrong, you know, to tell somebody thank you and that you care about them and that you will continue to care about them. And but it's a it's not the easiest conversation, that's for sure. I think we know how you feel about the the new three batter rule for relievers. Um, but is that something you have you given any thought to how it might officially like influence your guys' bullpen or, or how you might put together the bullpen? Well, I mean, I've asked the guys in the office to send me information. You know, the stuff they can dig up. Um, you're you're right. I, I'm not a fan. I don't think that. I think every rule change that's been made in the past, even if I haven't necessarily completely agreed or you know or embraced it, you know I've tried to at least accept it and, and do what you're supposed to do for the good of the game. I I don't like when they tell you how to compete, and if I was a fan, I wouldn't like it either. Um, I think you're, you know, we, we get to the ballpark early and we stay late and the object is to try to do it better than the other people. Sometimes you're successful. Sometimes you're not. But when you start to leave it to chance, you know, that, 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 that kind of goes against everything we, we, we live for and we believe in. And it's a hard one for me. I'm struggling with this one. Do you see a change in the way you manage, Tito? Or is it get, it's going to happen. Well, I, mean, I think you have to because you, you can't. You know, once you bring in a pitcher in an inning, I mean, you're 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 going you're with him for three hitters. So, you know, I mean, shoot, there's times where you know we've elected to bring in a young kid, maybe if there's a base open and if he's wild, knowing that we can go get him. You know, things like that. I mean, I'm even talking about, you know, developing guys in the bullpen. Um, now when you bring a guy in, he, he's going to have to get him out or not get him out. And the game can be over before you can go make another move. I just don't think – I just again, I, I, I don't understand it. I, I don't think I'm ever going to. But, you know, you, you, we'll, we'll certainly do the best we can and adapt and – I'm sure when we get to spring training, we'll spend a ton of time on the best way to 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 embrace it. Because, I mean, you know, after when the season starts, nobody's going to care if I like it or dislike it. You know, you guys have a lot of options now in the outfield. How do you see the shields uh, working in? I know it's early, but how do you see him working into the outfield? And, and do you guys see him as uh, a center fielder to, to maybe compete with Mercado for that spot in spring training or, or maybe move him around a little bit as well? Um, you know what? I think it's best, that, you know, we, we're we thrilled we got him. I don't know if we can say what guys' roles are yet just because we don't know what our ultimate outfield is going to end up. You know, does it stay where it is? Do we add somebody? Um, we know he's an elite defender, especially in center field. And, and that's valuable. Where we go from there depends on where we end up heading into spring training. So, again, I just there's no reason to assign what a guy is going to do before we know it. And is Carrasco having a, a normal offseason and, and the expectation for him to come in as a, a starter next year? Yeah, it is. Um, he sent me some video, oh, must have been a couple weeks ago, of him throwing – 
he's he's excited and I think he feels good about where he's at and he he wants to start um, again and in fairness to him I, I think he kind of we, we always check in with him and make sure how he's doing but I think he's confident a bit to go back to being a starter what he did last year I think was important not only to the team but to himself to show he could pitch but I think he knows he's a starter Tito how do you see the uh, you've got three pitching coaches now how do you see that working out how do you see that relationship uh, between Sweeney and Ruben and and Carl working out well kind of like it did in the past I mean we don't I mean Carl obviously leads the pitching group but he does such a good job of, of delegating and listening and guiding, and, and and it'll be the same. Ruben's been so such a big part of, of our younger pitchers coming up and, and being successful at the major leagues. To have him on board now, we really think can help us a ton. Um, to be honest with you, our biggest worry wasn't how Ruben would do with us. It was replacing him in the minor leagues. And, you know, that was something that we kind of worried about. But when it's all said and done, we felt like his skill set can really help our major league staff. Tito, with, with so many rumors about Lindor going uh, going around, trade rumors, um, and, you know, how, does that interfere with you, you know, trying to put the – you know, putting the best team on the field? I mean, can you worry about that, or how do you handle that? Well, I mean, not in December. I mean, we can't help rumors. You know, I mean, shoot, I saw, I saw, I read some of them when we were in San Diego, and I laughed because, you know, how off base they were. But you, but in today's, not just baseball, in today's life, there's so much out there because there's so many, you know, things. Hoinsey, when you started and I started, you know, there was a newspaper. Didn't have a cell phone and, you know, shoot like that. In fact, in your case, it was probably Morse code. But, you know, you know what I'm saying. Now every, everybody has the ability to, to, to be an expert, you know, whether they blog or do this. So there's going to be stuff out there, and then everybody else is playing catch-up. So I just, you know, you hope that, you know, for the player's sake, they don't pay attention too much. And from our side – it just doesn't make any sense to pay attention because I know what's going on or what isn't going on. You know, how nice was it to see Roberto get uh, some recognition for, for his work behind the plate this year? You know what? That was one of the most exciting things that's happened in a long time because I know how much he cares about being good yeah, defensively. I mean, he – there was part of the year last year when it was really hard for him to play. And there were some games where he, I know he shouldn't have, and he said, no, I'm good, I'm ready to go. And his defense never suffered. I mean, I mean, I know how proud, he's always been proud of it, but he got a chance this year to show it. And my goodness, I, 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 mean, I guarantee you everybody in the organization when we found out was, was thrilled. Um, I think Sandy... I think Sandy's done great. They have a great rapport, and and they've done a good job. And the thing you got to remember is, as good a receiver as Roberto is, he could probably even be better. But we ask him to, you know, we ask our catchers, we don't want the ball going to the backstop. That's one of the things we don't want that ball going past. And 
So so they sacrificed some of their framing for that. And he still comes out, you know, at the, at the top of the pack. And that's even with us probably making it a little bit harder for him. Tito, you lost – it seems like, you know, there's been a lot of – you've lost a lot of guys from the bullpen, like Clippard, Otero, Goody, Olsen, guys like that. Are, do you think uh, you have – right now, do you have enough guys to replace them? Do you got to – you know, go out and do, get some more bodies, get some more arms, or how do you feel about the the pen in general? Well, I mean, I think it's December, and I think I don't think we're ever done in December. I, I think that's fair. I think it's it's if you said we were going to spring train today, you know, the, that that's hard to do because that's not the case. Um, I think sometimes being patient is really hard but i think in our situation it pays dividends if we can be patient and and like i said it's it's hard and i think what i don't want to do is make it harder for christian journey you know because i lose patience because that doesn't help anybody so i've kind of learned to, to trust those guys and and you know they they know what they're doing and I think, if anything, I mean, they've proven it over and over again, um, and they're constantly working. It's not like they're just taking, you know, some time off, or they, they, they never take a deep breath. So I, I, I trust that when we go to spring training, we're going to feel pretty good about what we got. That's Tribe Manager Terry Francona, and now the Indians going about the business of furthering their roster as they get closer to spring training. Stay tuned. We'll have more to come as Tribe Talk continues after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. But folks, this puppy isn't over. Welcome back to Tribe Talk. Jim Rosenhaus back with you from Progressive Field, downtown Cleveland. Great to have you with us for our first show of the new calendar year as we turn the corner on New Year's and the holiday season. And one final look back at the 2019 campaign before we turn the page. The last win of the Indian season, and what a dramatic night it was in Chicago against the White Sox. The last Tuesday night of the season, this would have been Tuesday night, September the 24th, Indians at 92-64 and 64 heading into the game, and they still had hopes of a wild-card playoff spot, and they were right in the mix, and they got a big boost in their lineup with the return of Jose Ramirez, who had missed time due to the handmade surgery that uh, caused him to miss a little bit more than a month, and the Indians certainly were looking for a boost from his bat, but who knew what would happen And uh, we will find that out shortly. It certainly was a dramatic night for Jose Ramirez. The pitching matchup was Mike Clevenger for the Tribe at 12-3. And and the White Sox at that point in the season were patching it together on their starting pitching staff, going with Carson Fulmer, who had been a reliever much of the season. Now, after two quick outs in the top half of the first inning, the Tribe got it going with two walks and a single from Yasiel Puig. That loaded the bases for Jose Ramirez, the aforementioned Indians third baseman who was in his first game back from the injury. And uh, there were questions as to whether he would be able to hit with much power. Well, let's find out what happened here in the first inning. Bases jammed, 
and Ramirez at the plate. All right, Jose Ramirez, wouldn't you know it, first time in the batter's box in a month after the broken handmade bone surgery, and he bats left-handed with the bases loaded, two down, no score. The set, the pitch, a swing and a drive to deep right field, away, back and gone! How about that welcome back? A grand slam down the right field line. The little man with a big bat has come back to spark the Indians with a grand slam here in the first. He got a grand slam in New York on August 15th, and he got into a hitter's count and pounded a grand slam down the right field line and the Indians have a 4-0 lead all of this after there were two men out. You wouldn't be able to sell Hollywood on that script. Hollywood would have said, nah, too unbelievable. Miss a month, come back from hand surgery, don't have any in-game at-bats because there's no minor league games going on, and you hit a grand slam your first time up. No, sorry. And if you don't think the Indians didn't miss Jose Ramirez, then you don't follow baseball. Just an incredible way to to return to the lineup for Jose Ramirez, and the Indians were on their way. In the second inning, Roberto Perez added to his career best totals. The pitch swung on, whacked to deep left. It's gone. Roberto Perez, it's number 24 on a line drive blast to left. And a rare poolside home run by Roberto Perez. And here we go, 5-0 Indians. And this continues a losing trend for the White Sox. The White Sox at home this year have been out-homered in their own ballpark by 53 home runs. Then on to the third inning, this time two men aboard when Ramirez stepped in again. It's easier to swing right-handed because the surgery was on the right hand or when you bat right-handed, the top hand. Now he bats right-handed and he drives it to deep left. Are you kidding? Way out of here. Two-thirds of the way up the bleachers in left center. Jose Ramirez, two swings of the bat, seven RBIs. And Steven Spielberg just sent the script back and said, no, no way. I have a reputation and credibility to think about. No one would believe this story. Unbelievable for Ramirez and folks. They'll need multiple tape measures to let us know what that one traveled. Just an incredible return to the lineup for Ramirez. In the fifth inning, the fun continued. This time, Oscar Mercado with two men aboard. The 3-1, swung on, and there's a high fly ball. Deep left center. This one's hit well, way back there. Home run, Mercado! Oscar Mercado with his 15th home run. A three-run blast. And the Indians continue to pile on the White Sox. It is now 11-0 Tribe. And Mercado now with the most home runs by an Indians rookie since Ben Francisco hit 15 back in 2008. Mercado's 
power really starting to take hold here as we get deeper down the stretch. And on the mound, Mike Clevenger was continuing his impressive finish to his season. Now the set, now the one-two pitch to Polka. Tribe up 11 to nothing, and he waves at it. And Clevenger has another double-digit strikeout game. That's 10 strikeouts for Clevenger, and that's his seventh 10 strikeout game of the year or more. Seven out of his 20 starts have resulted in 10 strikeouts or more. And in the end, September call-up, Phil Maton finished things up for the Tribe. Payoff pitch. Swing and a miss. Ball game. Phil Maton completes the Indians' 16th shutout of the year. And the Indians destroy the Chicago White Sox tonight by a final score of 11 to nothing on the return of Jose Ramirez, who blasted a grand slam and a three-run homer. The following day on Indians warm-up, we caught up with Jose Ramirez and his translator, Augie Rivera, to talk about his comeback and the huge night, a career night, for Jose in Chicago. Jose, first off, uh, just an incredible night last night in your return to the lineup. And I saw afterwards, you, you kind of said you weren't surprised, but it, certainly it, it was surprising to a lot of people how you responded to your return to action. Why were you not surprised by the results that you had last night and what turned out to be a career game? I mean, I wasn't surprised because I was doing the same approach that I did before, you know, trying to get my best pitch, make my best swing, trying to get locked in. And, you know, those are results that I've been able to produce before, you know, grand slams, helping my team. So it felt good to help me in that way, but not entirely surprised because that's what I prepared for to perform in that way. You come to the plate early on and fans are doing the Jose chant in Chicago. Was that surprising? And how do you make that feel or how did that make you feel coming to the plate when that's going on? I gotta really give thanks to the fans because they always make us feel like welcome and supportive whatever we play and especially here you know I felt like they were chanting my name but not only to me but the whole team so it was really nice to see them especially on my first day back. And you mentioned the whole team what was the reaction in the dugout when you got back after the Grand Slam? It was great. You know, we have a good chemistry there, so I think right when the celebration was, everybody I was trying to remind everybody just to be nice and kind with the hand, because you know it's still recovering. So it was a good thing to just you know create a, another fun moment for the guys. You've been around the ball club though for most of the time during the injury. What did you try and bring to this team, even when you couldn't play, just by being present and around your team in the clubhouse? I mean, the, the way I could help is just being myself, you know, like trying to cheer them up and help them any way they can. Maybe, maybe the guys who were struggling a little bit, allow them to, you know, like remind them that I was, I was there to play some jokes, anything that I could to help the teams, and I think that that's also super helpful whenever we're going to a rough moment. All right, we'll finish with some fun stuff. Why do you yell at Puig? What's wrong with Puig? <laughs> um, I feel like he's now, he can be like the craziest guy in the team, but the fun crazy, you know, so he brings that craziness that we also need, and, and it's also fun to have him around. And I probably don't even need to ask, but what were the pitches you hit for the home runs? Home run pitch, you know. It's a home run pitch. <laughs> Jose, nice going last night. Great to see you back. Thank you. 
And shockingly, that turned out to be the final win of the season for the Indians. They would drop their final five games of the year to fall out of playoff contention, and that put a wrap on the 2019 campaign, a 93-win season. But in 2019, that was not enough to make the postseason for the Tribe. It's certainly a memorable night that Tuesday night in late September when Jose Ramirez returned to the lineup and put together one of the best nights of what has been an outstanding career. Stay with us when we return. We'll hear from Indians Senior Vice President Bob DiBiasio after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Indians Radio Network. Welcome back to Tribe Talk, our final segment on this first show of the new calendar year. And we are joined now by Indian Senior Vice President Bob DiBiasio. If you've been with us the last two weeks over the, the Christmas holiday time and New Year's time, we ran uh, what has become a yearly feature, the 1948 World Series. A look back at the last time the Indians won the World Series, one of two World Series championships in franchise history. And Bobby D, I know we had a lot of fun doing that and listening to some of the old radio calls. And you're going to take it even deeper. And coming up this spring and on into the summer through the season, you're going to take a look back at the 1920 season. Uh, how did this come about, and, and how are you going to do that? Well, Happy New Year to you and yours, Rosie. Uh, look forward to an exciting 2020 baseball season. Uh, yeah, we love that 1948 uh, retrospective that uh, uh, you put together for Tribe Talk. It's always fun to sit back and listen to those names of the great Indians players as part of that play-by-play. -play. But we, yeah, we do want to take it a little bit uh, uh, deeper and go back to the 100th anniversary of the uh, 1920 World Series champions. Not many people may know this, but the one common thread between 1920-1948, uh, player managers uh, were involved in the two World Series titles for the Cleveland Indians. So we're going to have to get to spring training and see if Tito will get in the batter's box again and be a player manager. That might be the one thing we're missing in the, <laughs> the mix of things in the recipe to win uh, is get Tito back in the batter's box. But or we could turn it over to Francisco Lindor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, we mentioned that when it was funny how uh, um, when uh, Lou Boudreau uh, statue was erected outside Progressive Field, pointing to Frankie at that time. I think uh, Frankie was 24 or 25, and uh, mentioned to him that at 24 years old. Lou Boudreau became the playing manager of the Cleveland Indians, you know, was an all-star shortstop, one of the great players in the games, and the manager of the baseball team during that period of time. So, uh, yeah, maybe uh, he'll have uh, Frankie be the assistant manager or something, if that's the recipe that we need. But we're going to go back to 1920, celebrate the 100th anniversary <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the 100th anniversary of the 1920 World Series team that uh, Tris Speaker, uh, the player manager, uh, we're going to talk to Scotty Longert throughout the entire uh, summertime. We're going to break down the 1920 season month by month and uh, give everyone a, a real treat. How that team was built, what uh, it went through month by month, especially in the month of August when Ray Chapman, I think most people uh, who uh, understand Indians history may remember the 1920 season for two things. One, the winning of the World Series and the fact that Ray Chapman 
uh, was beaned by Carl Mays at Yankee Stadium and died uh, um, at 3 a.m. the next day. Only player to have been killed uh, on the playing field in the history of Major League Baseball. Joey Sewell takes his place and, and becomes a Hall of Fame baseball player. Um, so we'll walk through and have some wonderful discussions as we revisit uh, one of the great seasons in Indians history. And I know for you, there's not much that you haven't seen in Indians history, or at least know someone who's seen it, but not in this case. I mean, we're looking at 100 years ago. Um, so how challenging was it to, to get something good, uh, some meat on the bone, so to speak, to, to really do this justice? Well, very fortunate uh, gentleman, again, by the name of Scott Longer, wrote the book, the author, uh, terrific terrific book on uh, the building up to the 19 um, uh, 20 champions uh, remarkable he's written a number of different Indians books so that name is probably familiar to a number of people who are listening Scotty Longert's written a, a number of other uh, books based on uh, President Garfield and, and a few others and he and I we really uh, look forward to sometime in March we're going to sit down and break down the 1920 season month by month and then treat our uh, listeners and Indians fans who love the history of the game to uh, uh, a little build-up month by month of uh, how that team came about and the obstacles that it cleared to uh, win a World Series. Bobby DiBiasio, Indian Senior Vice President with us. And uh, Bobby D, obviously we're getting started on a, on a new year. TribeFest is coming. You're heading out to fantasy camp. I know you always look forward to that out in Arizona and the baseball season coming. But before we end our show this week, uh, I wanted to to recognize, and, and it's, it's a little bit off track from what we normally do. We try and reach the broadest audience possible, and maybe this doesn't do that. But we want to say goodbye to a dear friend of ours who passed away. We're recording this on Friday around lunchtime. And uh, he passed away early this morning. Vince Coza, longtime sports broadcaster. And uh, for us, the connection is he was the man at the fan in Lima, WWSR, our affiliate station in Lima, Ohio. And uh, he passed away this morning. And gosh, Bobby, that was a... A punch in the gut. We knew he had been struggling with cancer, but uh, your thoughts of, of Vince Coza and what he meant, uh, not only to the people locally out in Lima, but to the Indians. Well, he grew up in Cleveland, so he had this incredible passion for all of Cleveland sports, and especially the Cleveland Indians. Uh, and you and I got to know him uh, with the station being an affiliate uh, uh, with the Cleveland Indians, and we got to know him very, very closely. And we would all, you and I would always head to Lima to do an event um, year after year. And uh, for him not to be there next month when we're going to be there in early February, it's going to be hard on all of us. Uh, Vince was a legend in Lima. He was a, a terrific friend, uh, not only personally, but professionally. Uh, he was a friend to the Indians. Um, he always talked about himself being Debbie Downer. You know, when we'd lose two in a row, he would always be Debbie Downer, and we'd win two in a row. We'd go to the World Series. Just the conversations we would have. He was so passionate uh, about the Cleveland Indians and what we were trying to accomplish that uh, we are truly, truly going to miss him. He, he was uh, a friend, a buddy, and we will miss him. Well. 
Hopefully, uh, Vince, if, if you're listening on that great radio station in the sky, looking down, just know that uh, we miss you, pal, and, and we thank him for, for everything he did along the way for the Indians and, and so many others, high school and college athletes in the, in the Lima area over the years. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Tribe Talk. Next week, we'll uh, get it rolling with uh, some good hot stove stuff heading into uh, January, deeper into the month. And, of course, February means the start of spring training. Tribe Fest is February the 1st. Still some uh, tickets available for that great event down at the Downtown Convention Center. And, uh, Bobby D., once we start talking about that kind of stuff, the season is not too far away. No, it isn't. uh, But most importantly, life is precious. Hug your loved ones. And Happy New Year to you and your yours, Rosie. And we're going to hear the sounds of baseball real soon, which is always fun. Thanks for being a part of it. So long, everybody. Tribe Talk on the Cleveland Indians Radio Network has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Indians fans save hundreds on car insurance. 